I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be looking at the song I Never Thought I'd See the Day by Sade off their 1988 album Stronger Than Pride. We should probably start the episode by drawing a distinction between Sade the singer and Sade the band. So the lead singer, Sade is a band, the lead singer of which is Sade Adu, who has a much longer name that I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't know, I, I debated, it's Helen Fola Sade Adu, and there might be, it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy name, but I realize for a lot of people who aren't familiar or maybe know, you know, a few hits by the band, that might be kind of a confusing thing to, to remember is Sade the band and there's also Sade, the lead singer. So we'll try and make it as clear as we can throughout the episode. But if you hear us say Sade and then say, you know, something about a group of people, that's because we're talking about the band Sade, not the woman Sade. So this might get confusing, but just stick with us. But I think what's really interesting about Sade the band and Sade the woman <laughs> is the overwhelming appeal to the music. Like I feel like we were talking uh, a little bit ago when we were doing our preparation to record this episode, we were talking about how nobody, well, probably nobody hates Sade's music. Like, you know, there might be people out there who are like, eh, it's not for Maybe me. Maybe some metalhead that's like... Yeah, there's I some metalhead that's like... But even like, you know, the Deftones covered a Sade song. True. true. So, okay. So, so, yeah, so it's like, there might- you know, I feel like something about Sade's music creates this overwhelming... Uh, it just has this overwhelming appeal that transcends everything. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you like, you know, hip hop or metal or rock or classical, jazz. Like, I feel like there's a little bit in here for everybody and somehow, I don't know, I guess there's always that, that saying, like, you can't be everything to everyone, so just try and be really good at one thing or whatever. And I feel like Sade is, like, the except, exception to that rule. I feel like they are pretty much everything to everyone, in certain ways, at least. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have a specific niche sound. I mean, we're, we're kind of trying to, to find a way to describe how the music sounds, and, and you ran through a bunch of genres, and that kind of is what this band is it's like elements of jazz and elements of pop and there's a little rock in there and there's a little latin flavor and there's all these different influences that make this band up so no matter kind of what angle you're coming at from a particular genre you can be like oh i I like how this sounds this sounds pretty cool it's catchy and you know this the singer has like this smooth cool delivery and the band sounds just really professional and uh, everything about Sade just sounds so well crafted. Like there's, there's not really, I, I don't know how else to to describe it as, as opposed to like you throw on this record and you're like, Oh, a bunch of people who really know what they were doing, like performed <laughs> and recorded this record. Cause it's just some of the like best recordings that I feel like I've heard. Like if you were listening to it on like a really, you know, hi fi system, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice any mistakes because there aren't any. <laughs> to the shield I love. 
So let's get into the history of this band. Sade, the singer, is in London studying fashion and dabbling in modeling in the early 1980s. Her friends encourage her to join this band as one of its singers. That band is this funky Latin soul group called Pride. She joins that band and she tours the UK with them. They're playing in clubs and Sade herself is getting a ton of attention. There are a couple other singers in the band, but she's given a special solo set during their shows and is clearly drawing a lot of people to their performances. She co-writes the song Smooth Operator with one of Pride's members, Ray St. John. You've likely heard that track from her debut record, but she's playing it with the Pride band, and A&R people from, from companies are hearing her and basically waiting for her to leave the band and embark on a solo career. So they're basically kind of like salivating at the mouth to, to get her to sign with them. Instead of going entirely solo, she basically forms a new band, taking Pride members Stuart Matthewman on guitar and saxophone, and Paul Denman on bass, and Paul Anthony Cook as a drummer, but Cook would leave the band in its early days. Andrew Hale would join the band later on keyboards, and that's the band that we know as Sade. Sade herself singing, Matthewman, Denman, and Hale. She does sign a record deal, and she actually takes a smaller advance in exchange for a larger cut of her album sales, which I read was 15%. That's ridiculous. Especially when you consider, spoiler alert, Sade ends up selling millions and millions, <laughs> I think it's like 50 million records, so imagine your cut of that is 15%. Yeah, so, so I guess we should just give a, a quick synopsis here. So the way most record deals work is the, the label will give the band a hefty advance, let's just say $100,000, and the band has to use that money to make a record and get ready to do a tour to promote the record and then for every album sold the band gets a cut of the album sales money but most of the money goes back to the record label to pay off the advance that they gave the band as well as earn the, the record company the profit they need to also give other bands advances so most bands get i mean we're talking one percent yeah I, I, yeah i mean we're talking very low amounts so this is kind of equivalent to what george lucas did with star wars where george lucas was like i don't want the money up front i'll take the merchandising money and then made billions and billions of dollars off of that so 15 percent of album sales is unheard of like if you if you talk to a record label executive today and said oh we're going to give shot a 15 percent of record label cuts they'd be like that's insane we are never doing that the record label will go under if we do that so this is a huge huge thing so the band records Diamond Life, which would be their debut album. It comes out in 1984 and has the lead single, Your Love is King. Your love is king. With that track, you can probably hear what we were trying to describe at the top of the episode, along with Sade's vocal delivery. It gives them a very distinct sound and style. The album is a hit critically and commercially and hits number two in the UK. The record and the band and Sade herself are nominated for all kinds of awards and would actually play at 1985's Live Aid at Wembley Stadium. Which, if you've ever seen the famous, you know, Queen video of Freddie Mercury out there, I mean, this is a giant show in front of a huge audience. So it gives them a lot of visibility pretty early on. 
Later that year, they released their second record, Promise. It's number one in the UK and the US. The sound is very similar to what you heard on Diamond Life, as, as the band kept the same production team that had produced the first record. Their first single from that album, The Sweetest Taboo, ends up spending six months on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. It's another huge record. The band does an eight-month world tour. Then in 1987, the band starts work on what would be 1988's Stronger Than Pride. They record in the Bahamas and France instead of the previous albums, which were recorded in London. Stronger Than Pride has five singles, including the inspiration for the album's title, the song Love Is Stronger Than Pride. I never thought I'd see the day. The song we're talking about today is from this record, so we'll come back around to discussing this one further. As you may guess, given the number of singles, the album is a success, there's another big world tour, and then things start to slow down with the band a little bit. They wouldn't release another record until 1992's Love Deluxe, which features the song No Ordinary Love. instrumentation on love deluxe is a little bit more of a pared down arrangement the songs feel like they're given a lot more space to breathe Uh, so there's a distinct change in the sound from the previous three records on love deluxe and honestly love deluxe is my favorite if if i had to choose one sade record and and honestly if somebody was like you can only take you know 20 albums with you this probably would be one that I would take. Yeah, it's a pretty flawless record. I mean, I, I feel like there's not too many Sade songs from their entire catalog that you could just be like, oh, this isn't a good song. Like there may be some that you're like, oh, this is better than this one or this is a weaker one or whatever, but they're all pretty good. But everything on Love Deluxe is great. I mean, it starts off strong with No Ordinary Love, which is just like one of the sexiest, slinkiest songs ever written. And then it just keeps going. You're like, every song is so good on this record. It's just amazing. Total, total masterpiece for sure. Again, the album is a huge hit. They tour to support Love Deluxe, and then it would be several years before we would get another Sade album. Once the band took this little hiatus, there were a lot of rumors about Sade herself. Obviously, she's a very famous singer, but also an intensely private person, so she doesn't do a lot of interviews. And anytime you're kind of out of the spotlight, people are wondering why and what you're doing. 
during this hiatus, she starts a family and the other band members pursue their own stuff. The band without Sade as a singer record and perform as Sweetback and they released an album themselves in 1996. Then in 2000, Lover's Rock comes out eight years after Love Deluxe. The album has a little change of sound again. There's some reggae influences. It's a little bit more pop oriented, which you can probably hear on the track By Your Side. The acoustic guitar takes a more prominent role in the band. There aren't a lot of horns and things like on other Sade records. It's definitely much more subdued and maybe even you'd say like a little folk influenced in some ways. Yeah, like less less Latin, more folk pop kind of direction. Definitely different from the previous record and definitely much different from the first three. The band tours to support Lovers Rock and the record wins a Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Album. At this point, Sade takes another long break and they come back in 2010 with Soldier of Love, which was also the name of the first single. I'm a soldier of love Every day and night I'm a soldier of love They do a tour for this album. I finally got to cross Sade off my bucket list on that tour. And then the band went quiet once again. And since then, they've contributed songs to a few soundtracks, Flower of the Universe to the film A Wrinkle in Time, and The Big Unknown for the film Widows, both in 2018. Stuart Matthewman, the band's guitarist and saxophonist, said last year that they were working on a new record, but obviously we'll hear it when it's finished. It really is striking to me that in four years from 84 to 88, they released three records, and there's only been another three since that time, and that's going on 30 plus years now. So that's basically the history of Sade. So let's go back in time now and take a closer look at 1988 Stronger Than Pride and the song I Never Thought I'd See the Day. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. Although we are 
99% sure that this is not something that the band was thinking at the time when they were making their first three records. We feel now, looking back, that the first three records from Sade, Diamond Life, Promise, and Stronger Than Pride, make up a kind of trilogy of sorts for, for the group. So when the band first comes out in 1984 with Diamond Life, it's a huge hit right from the, from the get-go. Then using the same production team, they release a, an album a year later called Promise that's also a huge hit. And then only three years after that, they release Stronger Than Pride with a similar production team, but just recorded in a different place. So you have three records that are made primarily in the same way that feature very similar sound. And then after that, there's a big gap and then they don't come out with a new record until 1992 with Love Deluxe, which sounds really different. So in a way, the first three records are kind of like just each one is just kind of a new way of saying the same thing. And that sounds like I'm narc, you know, like, like kind of saying bad things about it. Like I'm saying like, Oh, it's not original or whatever, but no, I mean like, I mean, ACDC literally hasn't released a new record since their first one. Like every single record that the band has ever put out is all exactly the same. They just changed the album cover a little bit. Yeah. I feel like for some bands, it, it, I mean, this is like a phase kind of right where, where, you know, they're, they're experimenting with a more, I guess I guess we'd say Latin sound. I mean, there's definitely a lot of emphasis on percussion that I think gets strongest with Stronger Than Pride. Like, I feel like that one's the one where it's like clearly drum and bass on every song needs to find, you know, some kind of groove. And I feel like that was kind of what they were playing with. And then I think they start to branch out and kind of go in different directions, maybe influenced by, you know, just other music movements. Yeah, uh, so you, you, at, at, at this point in time, or, or, or after Stronger Than Pride, I should say, from 1988 to 1992, when Love Deluxe comes out, uh, that's when the trip-hop music movement starts starts coming up. So you've got bands like Massive Attack and Morchiba and Portishead, and all these groups are starting around this time, taking sampled music, creating like a hip-hop layer over it, and then adding usually female vocals. So when Love Deluxe comes out in 92, uh, they, the band kind of had to change in a way because it, it couldn't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And now there was a new movement of music that really fit in well with what they were doing anyway. So they probably were part of that. And that's why Love Deluxe sounds so different and has a lot more electronics to it. And even the, the, the opening track, No Ordinary Love, sounds almost like it could be a trip hop song if you listen to it in a certain way. But I guess what I'm trying to say primarily is that the first three records if we assume that they take up like a phase, they're like phase one of the band Sade, then what we're really looking at with Stronger Than Pride, the record, is the final entry in this trilogy. It's 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 the culmination of what they've been attempting to do for the past two records. So that kind of, if you look at it that way, that gives you a kind of interesting perspective when you're taking in the music and sound and lyrics and everything that are going on in this record in particular. It's funny to think, too, that the first two records were made in London primarily. And then for this one, they felt the need to kind of go somewhere else or change something. And I mean, they still came out with a similar sounding record. But I almost wonder how much the band was thinking, well, maybe if we record in a different place. We'll kind of get a little bit different influences into the music, which I think they do a little bit. I, I feel like there there are some differences here between um, the first two records, but it's a bit more on the 
the subtle side. It's fair. It's fair to say. Yeah, I feel like if you were to take a song from from this record, let's just say I don't know, uh, nothing can come between us, and put it on the previous record, it would fit just fine. Like it wouldn't feel like oh, this is like so wildly different. Like it's it's pretty much similar thing. And uh, I, I think that that's that's good. Like it's nice knowing that when you pick up a Sade record, you're getting a Sade sound. Like that's nice. But you can definitely see why the band took a extended break, their first extended break after making this record, because they probably realized like, well, we can't just keep doing this. Like, yeah, we've got, we keep, we keep hitting number one and we keep having big success. I like that 15%. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's like, we, we also need to, to think about like, Oh, like, are we, you know, how, how are we going to keep doing this? You know, we can't just keep doing this over and over again. So I think that if you look at it from that perspective, stronger than pride becomes, you know, almost like, a thesis statement, you know, this is what they've spent the past six, seven years or whatever they've been a group working towards. And, and it's, if you look at it that way, then you get a really, an interesting way of looking at the songs as a whole and especially the lyrics. And when you look at it, at this song that we're talking about today, I never thought I'd see the day. This song is, is wildly different from any song on the record and kind of sets the tone for uh, some future songs, which we're going to get into. But this song itself kind of seems to me as being almost like an experiment by the band. They're like, okay, we know we have to change up. We know we have, this is our last chance to release a record in this capacity. We have to change things up a bit. What if we made a song that was so quiet and so subdued with everything stripped away that it was mostly just Sade's vocals and some bass and maybe a couple of swells of orchestra. Yeah, there's some keyboard, you know. Yeah, yeah, like what if we just did this really simple thing? And that kind of, that kind of like, what if? kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen later. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I listened to this record, you know, preparing for this, for this episode. I mean, I've heard this record a million times. I listened to every Sade record a million times because they're all brilliant, but I listened to this one specifically recently to, to prep for this episode. And that was the first thing I thought I was like, Oh, like they're, they're getting ready with this particular track. They're getting ready for what's going to come next. The truth you could not discuss. We had mentioned before about how there's two different kinds of Sade songs. There's the celebration of love type of song, and then there's the heartbreak style, I, I, I guess you would say. Yeah, not really like breakup songs. They're not like... Yeah, maybe it, that's... Yeah, that's... It, I like heartbreak. I think that's a good that's a good summation of it. But yeah, it like you think of breakup songs, you think of like Don't Speak by No Doubt or, you know... Uh, whatever you're so vain you know uh whatever like i'm angry you're gone whatever but these aren't that's not really what shade does yeah it's 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 more a a a lamenting a a lost love or something that i like that lament lament's a good word yeah yeah so that that kind of describes it better so i i guess to sort of hear the contrast we should probably look at one of the happier songs before we get into the lyrics of the song we have today which definitely falls into the the lamentations. <laughs> so, the, so the second track on this album is called Paradise, and it's you know a very upbeat song with a melody that that seems to me, if you were to just play it without any vocals, you would think that it was a happy, 
a happy song, a song of happiness. And the lyrics reflect that. So we've got some very, very straightforward lovey-dovey lyrics here. So it starts off with, I'd wash the sand off the shore, give you the world if it was mine, blow you right to my door, feels fine. I'd give you the world if it was mine. I mean, you know, we're, we're basically in like Motown territory here. Like this is literally the lyrics to like, you know, Ain't No Mountain High Enough or, you know, whatever song you want to pick out from the Motown catalog that's like, I'm in love with you. You're the greatest thing ever. I would do anything to be with you. So pretty, pretty straightforward kind of stuff. And Sade, the band, they kind of touch on these kinds of themes on all their records at least once or twice. But then we have a song like I'd Never Thought I'd See the Day, which takes a different approach, which is a little bit more you know, downtrodden, a little bit more lamenting, which is a great word. And, and also, uh, also a little more ambiguous, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, if we look at some of the lines, I could see in your restless eyes, the truth I was hiding, the truth you could not disguise, but I never thought I'd see the day. I knew I'd need a miracle to make you stay. I knew I needed a miracle and I never thought I'd see the day where we, 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 we discussed this earlier, and is it a secret like she is hiding or something she didn't want to reveal? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of confusing almost because she says, I could see it in your restless eyes, the truth I was hiding, the truth you could not disguise. So it's like, well, who, who, who is, who, who's, who's messing up here? <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it, it creates this kind of ambiguity. And, and something that I said uh, while we were prepping for this was that uh, Sade is very economical with her, with her lyrics. She doesn't really overwrite, you know? And I feel like that creates an interesting like open door for, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's space for you to fill in whatever is going on in your life. Yeah. So, you know, you would hear this and somebody would be like, oh, I went through a similar experience because I found out something, you know, uh, about someone I was with and I had no idea. And, you know, I, I never thought I'd see the day that, you know, I'd, I'd come to know this person as, you know, as this. Or, you know, maybe you're harboring some kind of feeling. Well, I, yeah, you there's, got like there's, a secret so many, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's so many ways to go with it. And I think that's one, in addition to the genre crossover appeal of Sade, this is kind of another appealing factor, which is, you know, you can insert your own life into these songs. And they, I, I feel like Sade does the lyric lyrics um, for the band. And I feel like she purposely like leaves all this stuff there for you to kind of come in and, and make what you want of it. So at the end of the song, it gets a little bit more clear of what's going on, which is, I wish you could shelter me, shelter me now. I need a miracle and I never thought I'd see the day. So it seems to me that she's pining for somebody and maybe, maybe the I never thought I'd see the day is she never thought that she would be pining for this person. Maybe it's it's because this person did have some deep, dark secret that Sade found out about and that was upsetting and maybe that broke them up or maybe that caused her to look at this person a different way. But she's still wishing that they were around. You know, I mean, I, I feel like we could literally sit here for the next like half an hour going over all these different types of scenarios that, the, that this song and they would all they would all fit and, and they, they would all fit all, and yeah. they would all apply because we could point to certain lyrics and be like, yeah, so... I, it, 
you know, considering that this is a band that obviously at the beginning released albums very quickly, but this is the first time that they took like a pretty big break from 1985 to 1988. And then knowing that going forward, they're going to take a long time in between records. You know that the band spent a lot of time and Sade herself most likely spent a lot of time crafting these lyrics and had plenty of time to like feel them out. These weren't just written on the back of a napkin one day and been like, oh, this is it. It's done. You know, like this is something she's thought about. So I think this ambiguity we, we have to assume is is intentional. And I think the instrumentation on here is very deliberate, too, where a lot of these tracks are filled with percussion and cool bass grooves and things to like get you dancing. And for this one, all that is stripped back and really showcases Sade's voice. There's some sparse keyboard or synth or something going on there's a little bit of bass but there's nothing over that overpowers the the vocal delivery and i think that's interesting too because there's a few sade tracks that do that and this almost seems like a predecessor to i had mentioned we had mentioned before how much we love the album love deluxe which comes directly after this record and to me the song almost seems like an early version of the song pearls on that record that similarly sort of atmospheric in some way where they just kind of build a soundscape and Sade just kind of sings over it. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a, a, no, a good I, description. And I, yeah. and I, I feel like that's an interesting thing for musicians, especially because I feel like a lot of, if you're a painter or a writer and you, you know, put out similar works, you know, eventually people might pick up on it. Some people might get tired of it. Some people might like it, but I feel like it's harder when you're a singer and you keep doing the same type of song. Um, or if you're a filmmaker and you keep making, you know, a, a film that consistently has the the same sort of themes and same sort of characters. So I feel like this Sade song is interesting in that it's trying to add a different sort of sound to the Sade band sound and also trying to work on something that would come later that is also similar and I think finds its roots in this album. Yeah, so if you think about this as like 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 we said before, like a culmination of a trilogy, like this is the, the final installment in this first phase of Sade, it makes sense that there would be a couple of songs in the first half that are maybe more like you said like experimentations of like where something else could happen so i think it makes sense that we'd be like oh we listen to pearls and then we listen to i never thought i'd see the day and you can clearly see how the band started off with an idea and we're like that went really well but how can we do that better let's try it again yeah and i i I feel like there's other examples on here like the song haunt me is this slow acoustic song and if you listen to like a tattoo on love deluxe it's again like in in the similar kind of style. And I just think it's interesting when, when bands do that. Like I said, I think you, you run the risk of having some criticism of being like, this one looks like this one. But if you're a painter, you know, you can, you can yeah. paint a similar, Nobody would a similar style of yeah. thing like a hundred times. And you just be like, it's just great. Yeah. Or that's your style. <laughs> Again, like, yeah. you know, whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's really interesting as well. And I think it's, it's cool that, you kind of get that even with this limited catalog. I mean, we only have six records to look at over the past 30 years, you know, in that limited amount of content that's been produced by this group, there's still 
you know, you can still find those things. There's ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. Where, I mean, we just, we just recently did a Pink Floyd episode where we talk a lot about how Pink Floyd's catalog is so massive. You can hear all over the place. There's all sorts of things that are like, you know, this was clearly a demo basically of this, but it just happened to make it on a record instead. And I feel like it's cool when you can find the more subtle ways that bands do that. And I think that this, this song is a good example of that happening for this group. I don't specifically remember the first time that I heard Sade's music, but I do remember hearing it and thinking to myself, wow, like this is so immediately appealing. And I think that's something that you don't really have too often. I remember uh, the first time I heard uh, Nora Jones's first record, I had a similar thing where I was like, wow, like, this is so broadly appealing. Like everybody will like this, you know, and everybody did. That was like the best selling record of the, of the decade. So, uh, you know, I, I think that in a way being, being a music guy, you know, a guy who like listens to a lot of music and likes, likes a lot of music that maybe isn't so popular. I feel like it's sometimes difficult to, to admit that, that sometimes something that's super broadly appealing, you know, like that anthemic U2 song or that, you know, super, super bubblegum pop song that was clearly manufactured in a factory somewhere by somebody like this was made to be a hit. You know, I feel like I'm me and people like me are tend, we tend to reject those kinds of things on the basis that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't unique. It didn't have its own style. It, it was clearly made to be popular. And in a way, I feel like Sade, the group kind of has that sound where it is immediately appealing to everybody. I don't care whether you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, a person from Africa or if you're a person from South America or if you're from Canada or Europe, like there's something for everybody around the world to find that they like about Sade's music. And I remember the first time I heard it, I said to myself, wow, this is so good and so cool. And I know everybody will like this. And, and I got the records and I love them and I listen to them all the time and it's great. And I have a, I have a, a, one of her concert DVDs and she's just, you know, when she comes out on the stage, I mean, she just commands the audience immediately. She has so much power, so much presence. She's just such an amazing woman, even though we don't know anything about her. Like, I mean, just, just from her, we know some bare facts of yeah, like like where she lives and she has a kid, you know, like we know like basic stuff. We don't know like really much about her because she refuses to do interviews. But that just adds to it, maybe, because you're like like we talked about earlier, how we're like putting our own story into our lyrics. We're kind of putting our own thing into her as a performer. And so like the music and her and the vocal delivery and the lyrics, everything to me is almost like specifically crafted to be universally appealing. And normally I would be the first person to say like, that's bullshit, lame. I'm super cynical, you know, whatever, like give me some dark, deep, meaningful stuff. Cause that's going to be something I can really sink my teeth into. But no, like Sade is awesome. Like, you know, from, from the deepest void of my black, dark heart, <laughs> I, I love Sade and I feel like everybody will love Sade. So it's really one of those things where, I don't know, it kind of unifies people. I feel like I could walk into 
anywhere and be like, hey, does everyone want to listen to Sade? And it could be like a prison. It could be an old <laughs> folks home. It could be a party filled with teenagers. And people are going to be like, oh, snap, I love this song. You know, I, I just, I think that that's, that's actually really cool because it, it happens so rarely that that kind of thing comes together in that fashion. To connect with what Scott was saying with that universal appeal, um, I, as I mentioned in, earlier in the episode, I got to see Sade on her Soldier of Love tour and actually went with my parents and grandparents, which <laughs> I, I have to say that's like there, there, there are very few bands where I feel like we would all like equally be excited to go see someone. Well, there was that Nine Inch Nails show you guys went to, right? <laughs> <laughs> That that didn't happen. Just yeah, to yeah, yeah, that, that, that was, <laughs> Um, I, and and I mean, we were all super excited because, as we mentioned, these albums and tours don't come around much, um, especially now. Um, so we were like super pumped to go. And I actually kind of have a a, a negative memory of going to the show. Um, which like to this day, like kind of bothers me. And when I listen to Sade, I think of that. So not to get like super detailed, but we, we go to the show, we, we find our seats, great seats. We're like super pumped. And then a group of people come in in front of us and they're huge and they can't fit in the seats. And so, I mean, with the way things, it's not a standing concert kind of show. And it becomes very clear, like I'm going to have to stand and piss off all the people behind me. Or I need to like figure out like a different place to sit. And it sucks because these are like really good seats. <laughs> so I, I go and I go to like the guest services. I'm just like, oh, there's like I can't like really see. And they're like, okay, we'll like move you. And at this point, like it's getting close to like the start of the show. They give me different tickets and then I go down and I find these seats. And then there's two people already there and they're like, no, these are our seats. And the, the woman is, that is sitting in one of the seats has like a crutch with her. And I'm like, how are you not in the handicap like section? Because like the whole idea is, you know, like heaven forbid something terrible happens at a show. But the idea is that you're at least mobile enough that everyone can move and you don't have to like go on crutches like all the way down like a staircase. So by now I'm like, I'm pissed. <laughs> so this complete stranger, I was like this this couple I, I admittedly, and I feel bad to this day, was like totally awful too. <laughs> Who like didn't didn't deserve it? You know, I'm just like freaking out because I'm just like I had good seats and now I have to try to find different seats and the concert's gonna start soon and I'm like freaking out. So now every time I listen to Sade, I'm just like kind of upset with myself for like how worked up and like angry <laughs> I got over this thing. And it's kind of like every time I put Sade on, I feel like my punishment is it's kind of like tinged, like you know, like. Every time I hear Sade now, I kind of like feel bad about, <laughs> about myself or I'm just like, oh, like I, I did that. But I mean, I it, it worked itself out and it was an enjoyable show. But I don't know. Every, every time I put Sade on, I remember like, Jason, you need to like calm down and take a breath and <laughs> be like a more <laughs> a more sane person. But um, I mean, it, it was still an enjoyable show and, um, you know, had a good time and definitely was one of. A, a very short list of people that I crossed off like my bucket list. And that was like uh, a really important thing for me. And to go back to what Scott was saying about like the commanding presence, it's just like show starts and she comes out and it's just like, I, I mean, there's a lot of bands that come out and you get like super excited, but it's just like, you could just feel like sort of, you know, all the air rush out of the room. Cause it's like, Oh, <gasps> 
Sade <laughs> on stage and it's been like 10 years since she's, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it is a big deal. And I feel like I love how the, the band and I, I mean, I'm sure she does it for personal reasons, but it certainly adds something to like the, the aura around her and the band where it's just like, here's someone you don't get to see all the time. And yes, there's like the concert DVDs and they're great to put on and everything. But yeah, there's, there's just some cool commanding presence and it's really interesting just how it, you know, brings people together. As I mentioned, you know, three generations of my family can go and see Chate and be like, this is just the best. And I feel like there's not a lot of people that can easily do that. And it was um, probably, I mean, we mentioned when we were talking about it earlier that it was like probably multiculturally one of like the most diverse shows. Yeah, yeah, go yeah, to. yeah. Certainly, because it's like you go to a lot of shows and it's like, you know, I... I Everyone knows what a big Pearl Jam fan I am. But it's like you walk into a Pearl Jam show and it's a bunch of white people that don't look too dissimilar in you know, age than me. You know, so, I, I, so I feel like, yeah, it's one of the, the more diverse audiences and it's just kind of a really cool thing. And I think part of what makes Sade so interesting for me is how it falls into like the smooth jazz category. And my parents love smooth jazz and I can't stand it. Oh, I thought you were a big Kenny G fan. And, then, <laughs> and and listening and listening to Sade, I'm just like, oh, this is this is what everyone's supposed to be doing. And yeah. this is what the other people <laughs> are missing out. So I, I don't know. It's 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 a funny sort of running joke in my family that this is like the only smooth jazz person I can kinda like get I, I can kinda get behind. I, I I did my parents a favor and I um ripped all their CDs to, to put them on an iPod for them and going through their collection. I was just like, this is, did you, em- did you embarrassing quote unquote, and forget to put some on there? <laughs> I was like, this is embarrassing and terrible. And I get to Sade and I think like my parents are all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.